SV Pod is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Cliff Kingsbury conversation. We will talk five and two. We'll talk Kyler Murray. We'll talk about what a pain in the butt it is to play against Seattle and Russell Wilson. And obviously, we'll talk about the house flex at the draft. Why am I reading David Allen Co. lyrics to You Never Even Call Me By My Name to Stanford Steve? And why are we ready to fight about condiments on a hot dog? I never know how these things happen, but they do. And you'll hear why in the podcast. But first, Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step towards a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code SVP. That's code SVP. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Also want to tell everybody to check out ESPN Investigates. Season 2 of ESPN Investigates podcast is now available The Running Man tells the story of an obscure former Olympian, an alleged serial sexual predator, and how a 14-month ESPN investigation brought him out of the shadows. It is difficult but important content, as more than 50 men were physically abused and mentally manipulated by their coach for over 40 years until they banded together decades later to find justice. Subscribe and listen now to ESPN Investigates and SV Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Time now for a visit with the Arizona Cardinals head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. And action. Cliff, I appreciate you taking the time, considering it's a bye week and there's a million things you could be doing. I'm always interested, though, in the in the philosophy and the psychology of the bye, right? Like, yours comes right in the middle. You just had a couple of huge primetime victories, and you got all the momentum in the world. But maybe there's some injuries, maybe it's a good time, or maybe it's a totally different answer. So the bye timing for you guys psychologically hits where? Yeah, I mean, we want to view it as a positive, no question. Like you said, you got a little momentum. You feel like you're rolling, so you wouldn't mind continue to to keep it going. But we do have some injuries. Uh, we came off two East Coast trips and then a Monday night short week, you know, had an overtime game against Seattle. So uh, it probably couldn't have come at a better, better time health-wise. I want to talk about that Seattle game in a minute. But but I just first want to just push back and start with you from a, a philosophical standpoint in a second year. And I'm interested in just how you are more comfortable and how that maybe makes you better at specific elements of the of the the gig. Yeah, no question. I, I think um, com- coming from the college game like I did um, year one, you ask a lot of questions about how it's been done, how people have done it different places, trying to get your system in place and, and your processes in place. And year two allows you to kind of, you know, review what you liked, what you didn't like, and really put your own spin on it. And I feel like this year, in a lot of ways, this is more kind of what we wanted to be. Um, 
moving forward and, and uh, I think our guys are feeling that our staff's feeling that and uh, I feel like our d identity is starting to be a team that plays hard and we kind of lose we're going to be aggressive on every snap I don't know if hard or easy is, the, is even the way to frame it but but just when you've been a college guy and you think of everything that comes with that I got to recruit that's a pain in the ass I got my my guys got to go to class that's a pain in the ass like I, our guys need to do what's right and then we got a game plan and then we got to play and then we got to do it all over and then we're going to lose guys maybe I'm going to lose guys early maybe guys want to transfer there's just a zillion things to sort out where I would imagine Cliff that, that you're able to streamline so much that you didn't that you don't have to do now but I don't know what other things come with it that you didn't have to deal with in college like how would you how would you compare those two in terms of what your day-to-day -day responsibilities are yeah, Scott, that's, that's a great point. I tell all these guys that have just been NFL guys, they haven't really coached yet. <laughs> you've done it at that level because it is, man. It is nonstop. It, you never get away from it. Even when you're at home, you, you have this sense that you should be tweeting a kid, texting a kid, calling a kid. It, it uh. truly never ends. And every weekend, you're on call. I mean, they can come in for an unofficial visit and, you know, Friday night, hey, we've, we've found a time for Saturday morning. So you, you're on hold. Where here, you do your work, you put it in, you go home, and you're done with it. And, and that, to me, is the biggest difference. We talked about the college part. Um, I just – I got to ask you, going back to that, 2012, the year in College Station you had – I mean, I got to imagine five and two in the NFL is pretty fun, but you got Johnny Manziel, you got everything the world by storm. Is there a more fun year you've ever had as a player or coach than that year with A&M? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I, there were a lot of things that kind of made that a perfect storm. First year in the SEC, everybody mm -hmm. thought, you know, hey, the, this poor Big 12 school is going to have it rough and not be able to get a first down. And, and then we had, you know, Johnny <laughs> and Mike Evans and, you know, like five first round offensive linemen and, and just had a heck of a run. And anytime you get to coach a, a player um, like Johnny, who's that charismatic and, and polarizing, I mean, it was every day there was something going on and it did make a lot of fun to, to be around him and kind of watch the, the spec, spectacle of it all. Did you almost get the feeling a couple of years afterwards, like, whoa, that felt a little too easy, like a little false, you know, realism there? No doubt. Yeah, okay. we were, we were uh, University of Houston. We were 13 and one. And then we roll right into A&M. We're 11 and two. And then um, I, I got humbled pretty quickly there. I'm loving. So <laughs> it didn't take long. I, I did think I had it all figured out. Mm -hmm. uh, calling plays was easy. Speaking of calling plays, you bring it up. What will it take for you to relinquish that? I would I would retire. I just that is, <laughs> is, is, is part of the game. I, I couldn't just. All right watch it a lot of people are great at that and managing games and that's not my strong suit my strong suit is calling it and, and interacting with the quarterback and um i got to play to my strengths you are the same or you're actually way more neater i shouldn't put you in the same sentence as, as you know leach you know we talk about the school he has that little notepad uh dana has that little notepad that's just looks like they had in their pocket all week you got at least got a nice like you know play sheet and everything what the hell are they always writing down with that chicken scratch during a game there's no room to write anything. Yeah, I, I don't know. Leach, Leach, uh, he, that, that deal. People ask me, like, what, what the secret to his success is, what the magic is, and I, I don't have an answer for you. But everywhere he's ever been, he lights it up and he wins, and, and he wins <laughs> at places that nobody's ever won. And it's, it's incredible. I mean, the, the man is a genius. If you've been around him, he, he's a real genius personality. Um, mm -hmm. but, but he has a, a way of leading and a way of making you believe in that offense that uh, I've never seen anything like it. You know what I noticed, Cliff, is that the smartest guys at your in your profession are willing to 
I don't even know if humble themselves is the right word, but they're willing to learn from others. They're willing to call people in and say, all right, what, what don't I see that you see? And there's so much of that that goes on that I don't think maybe the, the, the casual fan even understands that, you, that you'll get together with somebody that maybe you coach against. Like I think about like Kelly at Notre Dame and Dabo at Clemson and you just huddle up. And, and I guess how do you draw the line, Cliff, in sharing ideas, but not necessarily wanting to give them your recipe because you can't give away this, the secret, you know, to the 13 herbs and spices or whatever the hell the colonel puts in his chicken. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you weigh those two? Yeah, that, that's a fine line you walk. There's no doubt. There's a lot of that that goes on. There's a lot of, um, you know, taking other people's plays when you're watching film and trying to make them your own and, and different things of that nature, probably more so than anybody would ever imagine. But, you know, in the NFL, I've noticed it's a little bit different. In college, you're, you're competing against those guys year-round, whether it's for it, because you have recruiting going on year-round. So, you know, it wasn't like I was going back and forth with other Big 12 coaches sharing ideas um, like you would in, in the NFL. And, and that, that part's been fun because guys are mo more open, it seems, to help each other in the NFL because you're not year round competing and recruiting. But there's no pride. Like I'll steal it. Like if if oh. if you run something, I'll, I, oh I'll take that. But does it piss you off if somebody draws up something like why didn't I think about you know whether it's play this a little play action or some kind of way to get motion? Is it when you see it like how did I not see that? Oh yeah, no doubt. I, I feel um, inadequate a bunch. You're watching guys <laughs> in our conference like Sean and and Shanahan, and they're coming up with these screens and, and play action and different stuff that I couldn't dream of if I wanted to. And uh, I definitely get play envy sometimes. What's it like looking around that division? Because we have McVeigh on Monday night after their win. And, I, and look, I get coach speak and I get it's a game at a time. I understand that. I appreciate that. I do. But you also look at your division like you, you're big boys. You can look at the at the landscape and go, damn, it is. There's not a single garbage team. And you guys are already what, two and oh in your division. So that's a nice place to be sitting. But like you look at all three of those dudes have been in Super Bowls, all of them already. And I mean, whether it's coaching inadequacies or just figuring out ways you're going to have to compete, it feels like it's relentless in the NFC West this year in ways it's never been. I, I guess how do you find um, how do you find the time just to not let it be overwhelming? Yeah, that's. I think when I first took the job, it, it was. You're looking at those teams. You're like, oh, we have Seattle and L.A. And then guess what? The first year in the league, San Fran goes to the Super Bowl. And so it kind of hits you like this is you're in this for, for keeps. Um, but it does motivate you to be better. It motivates our team to be better. You look around each week and you watch what those guys are doing. You watch those coaches. Pete Carroll's one of the best coaches of all time. Won it in college, won it in the NFL, and then those two young guys in San Fran and L.A. that are just phenomenal offensive minds. And each and every day, you, you had that in the back of your mind, and it definitely gets you up a little bit earlier in the morning. Coach, 2003 NFL draft. What did you do? <laughs> this is a true story. I thought I was going to go in about the fourth round-ish. I kind of had uh -huh. some chatter from teams. They are calling, hey, get ready. Nothing happened. So I get to the six, and I, I go to a Red Lobster in Lubbock. <laughs> So I'm at Red Lobster and love it because the Cheddar Bay Biscuits are like my all-time favorite food, comfort food. And uh, I'm sitting there, I'm pissed, I'm sad, and I get a uh -huh. call from Bill Belichick and have to walk outside and, and take it. And, but that's where I was, Red Lobster in Lubbock, Texas. There were 10 quarterbacks taken in front of you. How many can you name? Uh, a few. I mean, I remember Carson Palmer, uh -huh. Bowler, Seneca Wallace, uh, Byron Leftwich. I remember. Yep. All right. You want, you, to, you, want to know all the, you want all the names? Yeah, I got them. Keep, yeah, keep it going. All right. Rook, Rex Grossman, yeah. Dave Ragone, Chris Sims, Brian St. Pierre, Drew Henson, Brooks Bollinger. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, good guys. <laughs> <laughs>
They ain't never been to the Lubbock Red Lobster, though. Can you paint the scene for me? I mean, I, and I've never been to Lubbock, and I'm not casting aspersions to the fine people of that city or those that work at Red Lobster, but I'm just trying to picture the vibe and the Lubbock Red Lobster. Well, this is like mid-afternoon, like that three to four, where it's in between <laughs> Day shift. And dinner. Yeah, and it's kind of dark, and the Cheddar Bay Biscuits aren't just, you know, they're not the freshest. They're kind of in that in-between stage. So it was it was a sad scene, but the, the call made it better, and then I was – um, very blessed to obviously go to a place like that. Plenty of things uh, written about you, you know your time in Lubbock. Obviously, our, our guy Bruce Feldman did that article a couple of years ago on the coaching staff, and you were the quarterback. But I got to rem- imagine like Leach was figuring things out. Like you had, I mean, you balled in college, coach. Like you did, you set plenty of records, and I know you probably know all the ones that are gone. Uh, just seeing how the how the style is gone. But you mentioned you get a call from Belichick. Lubbock had to be some kind of free – it had to be fun, man. Like, it really had to be playing fun for Leach. What What was the point when you got to New England and you were like, whoa, this this is this is a diff – this is a job. You know, like, is, is there something like Brady working out after guys, Belichick watching film? Like, when did you realize, like, this is totally different? Yeah, I mean, all, all of it, really. <laughs> you get up there. <laughs> It's Every something. bit of it. <laughs> this, yeah, this is this is real. But I'll never forget, we were, we were about to play a preseason game. It was the first preseason game. I was all excited, never been a part of the NFL game. Mm-hmm. It's like the Tuesday team meeting. And he asked me about the third – what university the third-string Nickelback is from, who isn't going to make the team. Nobody knows who it is. And puts me on blast in front of the whole team. Like, I'm going to be studying where the third-team nickel what, – what school is he from? And that's when I was like, all right – this is going to be a different deal. And, and from then on, you're writing down every single thing that he says. And, you know, wow. St- St- Steve references it, Cliff, and and I'm guilty of, if that's the right way of framing it, like looking at what you guys in that league did in terms of numbers. And we could go through all I, – I did it with Dana. I went through going back through Harold and – and BJ and, like I mean, you and Sonny Cumbie. Hell, we can go – we can throw them out there. Guys hung numbers. But it didn't translate at the NFL level. And so I'm the guy that goes, well, this just doesn't – it's not the same, man. It's seven-on-seven football, blah, blah, blah. Now you see a guy like Kyler. And I thought he was too small. I just didn't think what was dynamic on Saturdays would be on Sundays. And he is a monster out there. I asked you how you're more comfortable this year. How's he better? How's he more comfortable in this second year? Yeah, I think the game has just slowed down for him. He, he went through it last year. Last year, I mean, we threw him into the fire. The, the first day that he's in the facility, he's the starting quarterback. And he goes with the ones, and he's taking every snap, and he's directing traffic. And he really knew the system better than anybody else because he played in a, in a similar offense. But he went through the fire. He knew that he could do it. He knew he could survive. And, and now watching him move and, and – get through his progressions and knowing when to take off with his feet. It just looks like a different guy. And that, that's without an offseason as well. So I, I think the rest of this year he has a chance to really take off. Is he, is he really smiling because he realizes he's got single coverage on Nuke on the, on the outside? Yeah, that was like a, a trick kind of gimmick play that I don't think he thought was really going to work. <laughs> the name of the play is literally ice cream. And everybody looks to the side, and then we snap, and we try to catch him off guard and go. And, and you I did. He was like giggling, like, I can't believe that shit actually worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then and he, and he throws a dime, and, and you know, Nuke, uh, Nuke grabs it for the touchdown. But I, I'm interested in this clip because we're on the air on Sunday night doing our show, and we're waiting for your game to end. And um, 
it didn't for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> and the story goes that that you uh, you guys got into field goal range, and I get it. You, you were close, and you ran Edmonds a few times, and Zane's close enough to make it. But did 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 Kyler tell you something to the effect of "Don't be conservative"? Like you can trust me. Was that was that the essence of what he was saying to you? Yeah, we got the ball back um, with a turnover. Isaiah made a great play there on the interception mm -hmm. um, and he comes up to me and says hey whatever you do don't be conservative trust me I got you I'm like all right man <laughs> and so I could see the look in his eyes and, and he did a great job all night with the, the time management and went down and, and got us in field goal range and luckily we won the game how do you weigh that Cliff how do you weigh trust versus all right you're a baller and I trust you but I can't let you try to make a play we don't need to make like that's got to be a fine line isn't it no doubt, no doubt. But I, I always um, think players not plays and, and, and lean with them. I, that's mm -hmm. why with those QBs I've had, I always make sure, hey, if you don't like a play, I could think it's the greatest play I've ever designed in my life. If you don't like it, we're not calling it. And if they if they come to you with a play, you could think it's the dumbest play ever, but if they like it, they're going to make it work. Coach, uh, before you got the Arizona job, there was a quick stint. Maybe you were going to USC. True or false, Rosillo tried taking around looking at houses in L.A.? <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, we were supposed to do something like that. Um, doesn't he live on the beach, though? I mean, he's got it. Yeah, I think, he, I think he's got multiple cribs now. We're just trying to have you on our podcast. So I just, Look, I've, I I've seen your house, bro. I've yours. seen it. And, yeah, and speaking we, of houses. We, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But I mean, I'm just going to say, if, you, if, if, if you'd have been in L.A. and you went with house shopping with Rosillo, man, that is – that's a that's a deep pocket you better be prepared to get to the bottom of because my man is not playing. He's like a, he's like a land baron of the beach. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's done all right. He's doing all right. Yeah, we're proud of him. Um, I do want to ask you about um, we're ping ponging around, but it was just a zillion zillion thoughts that I had about uh about Sunday. And I I texted you this just to warn you in advance. I want to ask about Russell Wilson, <laughs> and I have a theory that of all the quarterbacks in the NFL. And I mean, God knows Mahomes is, would be a pain in the ass to play against. So would Rodgers. So would Brady. I mean, I could keep going. <laughs> Lamar Jackson, the MVP. But I swear to God, if I was a, if I had to coach against Russell Wilson, I think it would be the most excruciating three and a half hours because you can't get him off the field, and he throws the most perfect off-scheduled deep balls I've ever seen over and over and over. Just if you could describe for me what it's like going up against that guy and just trying to get him off the field without him hanging six more points. Yeah, I mean, he, he's the reason that I would never be a defense coordinator because you can have everything dialed up, the perfect call, perfect play, perfect defender, you know, draped on him, and he finds a way to get out of him and make a play. I, I've never seen anything like it. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate to be around Patrick, and, and um, they have a lot of that same ability that the play breaks down. They can survey the rush and still keep their eyes downfield somewhere. And, and there's nothing tougher than that broken down, unconventional play to try and cover. And he, he's phenomenal at it. I've never seen anything like it. Um, just snap in and snap out to, to turn a bad play into a good one. Is that why in the overtime you guys just said, for lack of a more elegant way to describe it, it we're just blitzing this guy? <laughs> yeah. We had had enough at that point. <laughs> <laughs> We were going to go down, um, go down with the sword. There's no doubt. How about that play Metcalf made? And how about Buddha like looked around like, how did I get hawked? He ran like a 4-4 at the combine. Oh, the, the, the Metcalf deal is when you stand next to him, and I'm 6'4", and I swear to God, he looks 6'9", 270 pounds, and he wears the visor. And, I mean, it, it looks like an avatar chasing Buddha down the <laughs> sideline. Um, but he is a, he's a special talent. We all missed on him multiple times um, and he's definitely uh, having the last laugh.
what was the fear, right? Straight line runner. That was that. That was the knock. Was that he was just a straight line runner and a, and a workout freak? But he was he wasn't going to be a, a guy that translated. Was that that? I have that right, don't I? Yeah, I think that was kind of the sentiment. But when you look at it, I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, a guy yeah. that big and that fast and that strong and that productive and his work ethic is through the roof. We just everybody in the league overthought it. Coach, stronger hands, Nuke or Fitzy? <laughs> Same. I'm not getting. Come on. I'm not getting in trouble on that one. I'm just trying to find ways to get them both the ball. Trust me, that's not an easy situation. That's not a non-stress situation. Get number 11, number 10, an equal amount of footballs. I'm going to Players, shoot. not plays, as you said. That's it. That's How it. about this the other night? You guys, the, the ball is, the clock's winding down, and he's got the ball in his hand. He's sprinting mm -hmm. it back to the middle. Like, I mean, what what a great dude. I mean, I, I've, look, I mean, we always say in our business, you don't root for people or games or whatever, but like a guy like Fitzpatrick's, and he's just undeniable. He's the kind of person you think, well, that's that's the kind of guy you root for. I mean, for, at, at every turn, just does it all correctly, doesn't he, Cliff? That's it. I've never seen anybody do, not only sports, but life that well um the way he handles himself the way he takes care of people the way you watch he learns everybody's name in the facility and and you know he'll get people gifts and do different things just because that's who he is and, and it's uh it's just an honor to be around him and, and you find yourself usually as a coach you know the players are trying to earn the coach's respect but you're out there trying to earn his respect on a daily basis has he gotten you out in the golf course no i, I don't play golf anymore i quit once i started coaching um, but he tries. He wants to get out there and kick my ass. And he, bro, he <laughs> loves like I, I was a few years back when he just got bit with the bug and he was just uh, we were at some Super Bowl party and like that's all he wanted to talk about. He's obsessed with the game. And I just I, I'm, I mean, I get, you know, you want to focus on your profession, but you live in a place where obviously if, if you ever decide to get back in there, you have many different options there. Yeah, he, he is obsessed. He actually, during quarantine, I mean, he built this insane house and had a weight room. So I, he'd let me come work out. And he has like an undulating, like huge putting green in his, in his game room. I mean, it's and the obviously the the bay with the video. I mean, he's he's all in on golf. Speaking of insane houses, um, I, you, I read you called it a little. You knew you were getting a little extra right for the draft when you yeah. put when you put the house the house shot out there for everybody to see. Did you design that place? I didn't. I didn't. It was a, an Israeli builder, and I saw it when I came. And it was a little bit more than I anticipated spending. A lot more, actually. Um, but every time I go back, I'm like, man, these windows and the view of the mountain. And so I had to just, just go for it. Do you push a button and the fire comes on? Yeah, you got the fire out there. It was daytime. I wanted to get the fire and the pool lights, but... Uh, maybe next year if we do it again from home. <laughs> I mean, what a what an absolute flex on everybody. And I, I'm, I said to, uh, to Steve, I was like, Steve's got three kids. I got three kids. I'm like, you can't take a picture that cool if you got three kids because there's everywhere with three everywhere. kids. You like there wasn't anything out of. And I think I joked. Uh oh, my dog's Otis. Otis. Otis, the dog's trying to kill people. Otis, come here, buddy. Sorry. Otis, the dog attack. Um. <laughs> I have my three-year-old child's buck naked outside. The dog's trying to kill the pool guys. And I'm talking to Cliff about his architectural digest house with the push button fire pit, Steve. This is my man, this... my, my man in the bathroom. Yeah. Yes, I am. Hey, Steve's, Steve's recording this. And I guess the Cliff, if we narrowed this all down, it would be just enjoy life uh, yeah. as you, as you have it. You know what I'm saying? Like you, I think you, I think you get that you got, you're in a pretty good lane, aren't you? There's no doubt. No doubt. <laughs>
are are you an art guy? This is my last question about just just your like you got that set up. Like I'm I, I'm seeing that wall on that house, and I'm thinking there's some walls for some stuff. Do you, are you an art guy? I, I'm not a super expensive art guy. Fitz is trying to get me into it. He's kind of on that what's level. He, what's he like? Do you know? I don't know what he likes, but he's on that level where you like trade pieces and there you, you go for people. He's 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 just trying to get more touches, Coach. Yeah, that, don't listen <laughs> to him. That's a well, daily battle. <laughs> this this would shock you about a knucklehead like me, but I, I've done a lot of dumb things. But over the years, I've actually acquired some stuff which has done okay. Like, you know, I, I would say that that home, like some Banksy pieces, some Warhol pieces, some pop art, because it's conversation starters. People come in and go, oh, what's that? Then you have something to chat about. So no, think about it. Coach doesn't want anybody at his house. He doesn't? <laughs> no. You got you got to find like the dip spit cups. Do not like don't spill that on this on the hide rug. Do not spill that on the hide rug. You got to your knucklehead buddy's got to figure out where to put their their empties in the dip spit, right? Yeah, there's no doubt. It is a select few coming over these days. <laughs> Life changes. All right, last thing, big picture. Uh, what do you do outside of this, which you're kind to spend some time with us during the bye mm -hmm. week? What do you do as you prepare for what? It's Miami next, isn't it? It is Miami. And, and so, so what, go, what what goes into this 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 time off? Yeah, we'll, we'll have a, a practice day um, tomorrow. And then with the COVID situation, all the players actually will remain in town to get tested every day. Um, we'll give them off Thursday through Sunday and then get back after it Monday, Tuesday, NFL made mandatory day off for election day. And so that's going to be an interesting week that's next right. week. But yeah, we'll, we'll try and rest and recover, try and stay engaged and um, try to keep building. You having fun? Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a fun ride. I mean, even last year trying to build it, uh, like I said, this is all football all the time, getting to be around these guys and um, having the time of my life. Right on. Well, listen, uh, I, I, Steve and I appreciate you taking the time to visit with us and congrats on uh, just really an, an incredible victory. I think I think it felt significant, you know, like they haven't lost. And I, I think, you know what I mean? Like, am I wrong to say that not every win's created equal? Yeah, I, I think no doubt. I mean, we hadn't beat them um, here in Arizona since 2012. And the way that game played out and our guys continued to fight, I mean, it, it was uh, it was emotional. And I think moving forward, we'll be able to draw off that. Right on. Well, go get to whatever you got to get to. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time, Cliff, as always. Uh, and be well until next time, all right? Thanks, fellas. I'm happy for Cliff because he got that gig and everyone's like, what is this, right? I mean, sub 500 in Lubbock. What, like, how's this going to work? And you're in a division with two young hotshots that have both been to a Super Bowl, haven't won one yet. And, you know, Pete, who's the dean of the division and doesn't age in his 70s and has obviously won one. And, I mean, how's it all going to go? And then he and Kyler, uh, you know, I'm looking at their schedule. Yeah, I mean, you, you beat a couple of, of if, if, iffy, iffy teams, which is what you're supposed to do. And they managed to lose a game against Detroit. You're like, oh, this is same old Cardinals. But as Cliff said, you beat Seattle. Hadn't beat them there in a long time. You know, it's it's early, but it's late enough that I think you can watch the way that defense plays and the way Kyler Murray's skill translates and believe that Arizona's is going to be around to have something to say about the NFC West. He said it. Players, players not plays. And you look at that roster, man. They've done a great job. Uh, it was great to see Simmons make a play the other night. I know people have wondered, you know, when, when, what's going on with him. And, man, I didn't, he, I, I, and just so you know, I, I'm not going to ask a question because, like, hey, how come Simmons hasn't played? What's he going to say? Is he going to tell us, like, what it is? No, he's not. 
So don't ask an obvious question that you're going to get an obvious answer is how I viewed it. And we want, we want people to keep coming on the podcast too. <laughs> well, I mean, but it's a real question. I mean, look, you drive, yeah, you take I mean, the but guy early. Five and two, they just beat the best undefeated team. Like, right, Hey, how come that first round picks not yeah. playing as much as you thought? Well, how about yeah. the guy we took last year that is list five, nine that's out there making plays. Seriously. What do they, what do they list him as? Too tall. Yeah, Too it tall. Ain't, it ain't what they, it ain't <laughs> no, what it is. No, it's not. Not even with the two inch stud cleats either. That's right. He's, he's, I mean, that guy is making big time plays. Um, so we appreciate Cliff joining us. Uh, they got a buy. They take on men in Miami next five and two, a game, a half game behind Seattle currently leading the NFC West. Big 10 is back. Yep. Um, came so, back. Uh, I came back and, and, I, my man Sam and I watched the first drive for the Dirty Terps. It was three yep. to nothing. And then Sam went to bed. And then Sam the next day said, Daddy, uh, what happened? I said, remember when it was three to nothing? Yeah. I said, that was that was it. What do you mean that was it? Well, that was kind of it for the, the scoring for us, but not them. Oh, well, what happened? They, you know, it was a lot to, to three. So there you go. I told you, I told you Ohio State being good yep. was the one thing I knew, and they are. Yep. Penn State, well, look, in winners, I had Indiana plus the points. I didn't think they'd lose. I'll say right now, as we record on this Tuesday, I I, I know on winners, I'm going to have Penn State. Yeah, I was just going to get to that. Um, and the reason is, if you watch the game, Penn State drove a lot, and they just lost Kane, their running back. Their, their running back room was loaded, and now it's really thin. But I, I, I just – my sense is that Penn State can possess the ball enough that they can make it a four-quarter game against Ohio State, which is what you have to do against that explosive offense with Fields and Ohio State because they're like they're like college Mahomes. Like, they'll score immediately, and if you don't hold it for a while, then they're just going to get it and score again immediately. So I, even though Penn State lost, I, wasn't, I, I didn't leave that game thinking they stink. I think Indiana's good. I think I think Indiana's building something. And then the Michigan thing's really interesting, Steve. Yeah. I didn't see a ton of it because I was locked into watching the Dirty Terps. <laughs> but obviously, that quarterback's nice, huh? Yeah, I think I think Michigan, we love overreacting to to one game. Uh it's what we do now with social media and everything. But I think my question was gonna be who who's the second best team? Uh, we know what's going on in Madison, which is really unfortunate because Mertz looked incredible. I think he had uh, one Friday incompletion. Night. I know it was Illinois, but he still looked pretty darn accurate, which is uh, which is just awesome because I always thought – I think the world of Chris is a play caller and a coach, and I just wanted to be able to see him get it. So now he's done. Um, yeah, and then they're back up to that. they're back up yeah. to him. Wolf, he's got it, and then yep. Cone hurt his foot, so they're bound they're down to some Vanderboden or something who's like yeah. their fourth stringer. But no, who's um, the second best team in the Big Ten? I mean, a game in the way the way uh, that Michigan and Joe Milton looked. I mean, it. I, is I mean, this that's the year, Michigan. We're gonna have to do that for at least it's only eight weeks now this year. Usually you know what? I was thinking about that recently. I mean, imagine framing conversation around a a rivalry, right? Where one team has dominated the other to that degree. Mm -hmm. It's insane. Like Auburn, Alabama, like you talk about the best rivalries, Army, Navy. Navy won like 15 in a row, didn't they? Mm -hmm. Auburn, Alabama, even when Auburn's got two or three weird losses. And by the way, Auburn, like, 
how do you guys keep getting calls? My <laughs> God. Um, even when Auburn's got two or three losses, they managed to, to, to pull something off and beat Alabama. Look at Michigan and Ohio State. Look at that rivalry in the past 15, 20 years. They got one win. One. I mean, and look, uh, we loved the game when we had it. Now Fox gets it, you know, the game and noon, late November, although now this year with the schedule, it'll be a different kind of a deal. But I mean, of course the game matters, but for it to really matter, really, really matter, Michigan has to win. They can't, they have to win a game. They don't win games in that rivalry, Steve. And they haven't been favored to do so in any of them. Well, no, they've been, uh, you know, like I get it. You're supposed to pull an upset once in a while, but man, it's a lot easier said than done. Hold on. It's 56, 27 last year. Yeah. I want to get, I want to make sure I'm getting this right because I, it, it deserves that, that I'm not overstating this. Yeah. All right. Since 2004, Ohio state five, Ohio state six, Ohio state seven, Ohio state nine, Ohio state 10, Ohio state. Michigan won in 2011, 40 to 34. That's it. That was the Luke Luke Fickle year. And Braxton Miller. uh, Hey, Travis, don't don't, don't jump in here and try to act like it doesn't. Drama Luke Fickle. Okay. Yeah. How's Cincinnati doing? Luke Fickle's an Ohio State grad and Cincinnati's top 10. And you come in here and act like he was like some drunk that they found in the street that was in charge of your program. Don't do that to Luke Fickle. No, I love Luke Fickle. That was the year that we had players suspended. And didn't play that year. Great. He was dealt a bad hand. I, I don't. I like Luke Fickle. I'm just saying that was the Luke Fickle year. They've won 15. Yeah, out of don't 16 call games. like that. Just to, just say yeah, that yeah. that happened. That happened. It have they to be won the Luke Fickle no, year. Exactly. You say it's the Luke Fickle year. Like it doesn't count. Like it's an asterisk. It does not an asterisk. You lost. You lost once in 15 years, and you're gonna Luke Fickle it. Yeah. That's disgusting. I'm sorry, Luke. That's why your fan base people roll their eyes at him. Okay. Speaking you, of. You can have Speaking 15 out of 16, and, and guy's going to hit yeah. you with Luke Fickle, Fickle, who's a proud graduate. He knows the words to Carmen, Ohio, okay? He deserves better than you Luke Fickling him. Jesus Christ. Um, speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of Big Ten fan bases, yeah. I would imagine people were reaching out um, about the, the Terps' performance. Do you have any words for any other fan bases? Like trying to take shots, like oh, oh yeah, like yeah. Like you're hurting the the image of the conference. I get it. Yeah, it's just well, I was having a little back and forth with uh with Jerry Palm on the on the Twitter.com. He's a Purdue guy, and I'm like, look, man. He's like, oh, I like you, but I don't like your football team, not so much. It's like, look, man, it, it it's it's been a rough stretch. I get it. Okay, but unless you're at the upper tier of the Big Ten, everyone walks around like they're Ohio State. Like they, they get sure to look, do. they get, they, they all act sure like they get do. to look down their noses at everyone else, like Maryland. Like, oh, look at your history. Hey, hey new guy. Okay. We didn't want to be here and you didn't want us. But again, <laughs> here we are. It's like a f-ed up family dinner for Thanksgiving. And it, we're, my mom and your dad, and here we are. We got to play nice. Just don't throw food at each other. Okay. <laughs> I get it. But all of you guys that aren't upper echelon, and the upper echelon truly through the years has been Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin. Nebraska fans, I know you got a proud history. It's been a minute, okay? But mo- the most of the rank and file, the Minnesota, the Illinois, the Indiana, the Purdue, Iowa has done really well. Uh, they've, they've got a lot of history. I get it. 
but what I went did I went through when Maryland joined the Big Ten and just looked at terms of like winning seasons and pros and bowl games. And Maryland has fit in very nicely with all the rest of them. They're not typically great. Right now, I get it. They lost. Maybe Northwestern's good. Huh? Maybe. maybe that. They might be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And maybe Maryland's going to have a really rough year. Okay. But do yourself a favor. Unless you're one of the elite teams, try not to look down your nose at Maryland's involvement in the conference and act like it's a stain on you and your proud football history. Because it isn't. I feel better. Boom. Um, just a couple other things looking at the, uh, B what, what do you make the line? If the game's at the snake pit here in Maryland, Cincinnati versus BYU. Why would Cincinnati and BYU play in the snake pit? Neutral site playoff. Yeah. But snake pits never neutral. There's always a little, (laughs) there's always, there's always some energy. (laughs) Uh, Cincinnati, BYU, BYU'd be favored. Um, really i think so okay why no no trust in luke fickle it's not that at all it's it's that little guy what's his name wilson oh yeah the headband zachariah that guy's uh that guy's like a little kyler murray guy he's out there zipping it he can really play he can really play and i uh I, 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 you know what i i'm not good at this uh okay who'd be who'd be you think byu would win um, the more I'm thinking about Cincinnati because like of, of my great affinity and respect for Luke Fickle, head mm-hmm. football coach, Cincinnati, historic Nippert Stadium. Yeah. You know what? I'm just talking. I haven't got any clue. who'd. Be okay. I don't know who'd be favored in All that right. game. That's uh, your but homework I know, assignment. I, I, watch some Cincinnati tape. Well, I know when I watch BYU, uh, I just think they're going to score every play. And they mm. mostly last week against Spav <laughs> and Texas State. I tried. Hashtag. What is it? Eat them up. Hashtag eat them up. Hashtag ride or die spav 28 and a half. Not enough. BYU's running fake punts up yeah. 34 late. That didn't need to happen. Um, but every play they run, like someone's wide open and, and they're good. BYU's good. But I think Cincinnati's good too. Like there's one of those things where they're ranked. Cause like they've played and other people haven't. You're like, well, how good are they? They went down to SMU in a, how many penalties were called in that game? 700. Ooh, a lot. I a tried lot. to watch every time I turned it on, there was like a conference. Teams are trying to cheat. Can't cheat. Don't cheat. Stop trying to cheat. So you would say the gap between Clemson and the next best team is way larger than the gap between Penn State, or I should say Ohio State and anybody in the Big Ten. In the ACC? Yeah. The gap between Clemson and the rest of the ACC, well, does Notre Dame count? Yes. Mm, I don't know about that. Really? Well, I mean, that means like, – so So here's what we're, we're saying. Clemson and Notre Dame, is that as big a – is that a bigger favorite than Ohio State, Michigan? Right, right now, yeah. Right now, just based on one game. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think Clemson would be – well, maybe they would. Because here's the deal. It's up to 12 and a half, 13 right now. Michigan, we're using, what, we're using Penn, Penn State? State. Yeah, we're uh-huh. using Penn State. Right. And Clemson's going to South Bend next next week. What's that number going to be? It 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 has to be double digits. 
Well, yeah, because Clemson beats you to death. And to Dabo's point, I agree with Dabo. I know people Absolutely. eye roll at that guy. Look, it was close in the second half against Syracuse. They won by four touchdowns. And people are like, yeah, well, what, what, what happened when it was close? It didn't. Here's what happened. It wasn't it, when we were done. We get 60 minutes. When we were done, we won by 26. I get we were favored by 50. That's not what we won by. What are we doing? The, it's it's Notre Dame. Um, Carolina, I mean, they lost to Florida State, and Florida State got housed by Louisville. So, I mean, transitive property is dangerous, but it feels like it's Notre Dame and Clemson that we want to have the conversation about. Mm-hmm. And then I presume it's Michigan and Ohio State that we want to have the conversation about, even though, as we just described, historically – other than that horrible Luke Fickle stain, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's mostly been it's mostly been scarlet and gray. They're nasty, man. Good God, yeah, just one after another every year, waves of them. Them Bama Clemson, like the the only danger this sport has is is that it is that there's just fatigue of Ohio State Clemson and and uh, Bama being basically in it every year. And then Oklahoma is sort of there on the periphery waiting because it's probably them also. Like, it's just always them. It's always them. And they recruit at a massive level. And if people get sick of seeing it, uh, I don't know. They're either going to have to recruit better or cheat to do so or or both. (laughs) I'm advocating. I'm advocating cheating. I'm just advocating setting up an ATM and paying for recruits because the NCAA doesn't do anything when you do anyway. Nothing happens. Oh, notice of allegations to Arizona. No one cares. Doesn't matter. No, then Same you get thing Luke happened. Fickle. You get Luke Fickle for one year. Then if you cheat, he cheated. Well, Tim Trestle did. Ah, you know it's it's fine. Nah. What happens? You have to abandon things. Say that games you all won and everybody saw didn't happen. That's the stupidest thing in the world. Penalty. It's like going in and telling my children that they, hey, remember that ice cream you had on the way home? You have to vacate that. You have, to vacate your, va- you have to vacate right your treat. You didn't need it. What? What are you even talking about? Is there anything else? Yep, one more. This is the most important one. Scott on the spot. On the spot. Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani are engaged. Name a Blake Shelton song. Um, Cold beer. <laughs> Does he sing a song called Cold Beer? I have no idea. Well, then you name a you name a song by him. No idea. Gwen Stefani was in No Doubt. I'm walking Heck yeah. on the spider web to leave a message and I'll call you back. Right? No Doubt could go. She's good. I don't. I don't know. I don't know a lot of Blake Shelton stuff. I'm country's country's new to me. I, I'm not. Okay. I'm not big in the country space. Although this Luke Combs guy, I like him. Oh yeah. Yep. He's got a new album. I want to get him on the podcast. I want to ask him uh, about songwriting. It, it fascinates me, particularly country songwriting. I want to ask him about, like, how do you go about doing it? Because there's the old David Allen Coe song about the perfect country music song. Are you familiar with it? I was drunk the day my mom got out of prison, and I went to pick her up in the rain. But before I could get to the station in my pickup truck, I got run over by a damned old train. That's a, it's a perfect country music song, supposedly, David Allen Coe. Look it up. I don't. I didn't. I didn't have a Blake Shelton song, but I got a David Allen Coe song. All right, that's one to grow on. Luke All right, Combs. So, yeah, he's really good. He's a like, he's a sports guy, so we can have him talk us. sports. And then I'm gonna ask him about the songwriting because it's 
He wrote a song, right? Look, you and me, we both lost our pops. There's a song about losing your dad that uh, if you hear it, you got no shot. Okay. I, so I had to listen to it for like a month before I could stop crying at the end of it. And my, All and right. my, we, my listen to it with my boys, they, they love it. Charlie says, play your song, daddy. It's really cool. Cool song about sons and, and fathers. Um, so that's, uh, that's my country music uh, trivia to go on. All right. What's for dinner? I have no idea. Oh, it's like a spaghetti pasta casserole. So it's spaghetti and lasagna kind of combined and you make it in a casserole and then you just put a ton of Parmesan on it. Oh, God. oh you don't like Parmesan. What's oh. it smell like, Steve? Feet. <laughs> what What's, is, all right. Wait. Awful. Wait. What's worse? Um, mayonnaise or Parmesan oh. cheese? Mustard. What's worse, mustard or Parmesan cheese? You have to eat one, a teaspoon of one. And this is, we're not going to do that thing where we make you eat it. I'm just saying, but if you had to, you have to eat a teaspoon Ooh. of mayonnaise or a teaspoon of dusty ass Parmesan cheese. I think Parmesan cheese. You don't put mustard on hot dogs. No. Nor should you. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait. I'm trying to end this podcast so people can get on with their life. Okay. But hold the phone. Your Luke Fickle hatred was no, unjust. I, I, what, that I was unjust. It was I was unjust what you did to Luke Fickle. But what nor like here's a hot dog. It's naked. There are the condiments set up on the counter. You can put on it whatever you'd like. What do you put on your hot dog? Sauerkraut. What? Sauerkraut. Ketchup. Oh, my God. You're one of them. <laughs> You're one of them. I I have, I have a three-year-old, okay? <laughs> That's what children put on hot dogs because they don't know any better, all right? Ketchup? Uh, all right. I'm trying to outgrow this thing where I tell people what they're supposed to do, because if you want to put ketchup on a hot dog, then, then that's what you can do. I just think less of you as a human for not understanding that you put mustard on a hot dog. I don't knock you for eating a hundred grand bar when there's better candy bars. Why, why can't I just put ketchup on and live my life, Scott? That's entirely fair. That's entirely fair. And if you don't want caramel and crispy and chocolate, then, then buy all, there are, there are better choices for, for candy bars. I get it. I understand. But it, it's just it's it's an American thing. This is about being an American. Ketchup isn't, ketchup isn't American. It's pretty American. It's actually more American than mustard. I think <laughs> I'm talking myself into a corner here, waving a flag and yet holding a, holding a mustard bottle. <laughs> this is a strange hill to die on. Uh, I, it, no, this is a very this is a very intense um, conversation where people choose sides about ketchup v mustard. I just happen to be mustard on a dog. And do you put mustard on anything, Rockhold? Nope, no mustard at all. So you hate it like Steve hates it? Yeah, I'm just anti-mustard, period. Okay. I like yellow. <laughs> See, I don't like brown mustard. I don't need that fancy mustard. I just need redneck mustard. Give me some yellow mustard. And I don't want it one of them squeezy things. I want to get it with a knife. I want to put a knife in there so I can get it all uh... the way down the knife. Then I can take that knife and slide it down the dog and have perfect mustard uh, perfect mustard coverage on the dog. I'm a weird dude, man, on a lot of levels. Um, you but think? I, but, yeah, I do, but I don't put ketchup on hot dogs. So 
at least I got that going for me. And that'll do it for this podcast, alienating half our audience on the way out about condiments. <laughs> we hope you have a lovely week, and we'll see you next week for SV Pod.